Hello and you're very welcome to the Women's Rugby Pod. I'm Johnny Hammond and alongside, as ever, is Rachel Burford for this episode one of series two. Can't quite believe we made series two, Burf, but uh, anyway, how the devil are you? I'm really good, Johnny, and how are you doing? Yes, we're all right, thank you. We're uh, we're here again. It doesn't seem like uh, any time has passed since we were celebrating number 40 and banging out 43 weeks in a row, but... Uh, we are here through some very, very strange and choppy waters. Um, everyone's safe and well your end? Yeah, we're all good, thank you. Um, yeah, like you say, 40, what, 43 weeks in a row, was it, did you say? It was. 43 weeks. I think, you know, since then, so much has been going on as well. So it's really exciting to come back with the Series 2 um, and to keep spreading all the news and all, you know, the exciting stories and people around the world with women's rugby. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let, uh, let us tell you what's coming up on today's show. Uh, we have none other than uh, Sarah Hunter joining us um, at the back end of the show. We'll be catching up with all of the news and there is loads and loads of it from Premier 15s to New Zealand to Ireland as well. And we'll also just uh, get burst views on a couple of the, the key issues while we've been away, um, and there has, as you say, Berth, been plenty going on. But first of all, you, burning, burning question. Two, in fact. One, I think I know the answer to. You haven't learned any more French. Uh, number no. two, tell me you've made your sofa, you've finished it. Yeah, yeah, that's all good. And how good is the weather? So we're getting to use it in September as well. Lovely. And it was that just single handedly you, you finished that yourself, was it? Well, pretty much. I mean, I did have um, a carpenter help me with a few bits at the end, but um, but yeah, pretty much all me. Good, good. Have you, <laughs> have you posted that on social media? The uh, the finished product. Now, yep. Now the carpenter's been there and sorted it out for me. <laughs> good. And then uh, are we talking about? Yeah. And how's um how's it been back? Back playing, it was really slow progress, didn't get much news, did we? But you're now in, in sort of elite phase two, I believe, and uh, Harlequins have, have changed their base. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, really lucky that we got back to stage one kind of in August. Uh, made such a difference mentally, physically, you know, leaving the house, going to do something and then coming back again. It just made you feel like you've been doing something with your day. Um, so super grateful to be in that position. Um, obviously, initially, it started just small groups, groups of six, and then it's built up to groups of 12. And then and now we're kind of in stage two where it's um, you know more close contact with each other. We can do a little bit of breakdown and defence work. So it's, it's still slowly, slowly, but we're starting to pick things up now. Um, we're we're going to have the whole squad together this week, which is really, really exciting. Because obviously the setup at Quinn's is what we've got. We've got during the day training, so you have... Um, We'll have sessions on in the afternoon, then players will do their weight session. And then we replicate everything that we've done in the day in the evening as well for those players who aren't um, professionally paid to play or able to, you know, do work around kind of the daytime training. So it's been a really full on and really busy. Um, we've had the luxury of using the Lensbury because um, we're training at SSP 
We wanted to minimise the infection and the cross-contamination and crossing over the boys because they're kind of in a bit of a different phase than us. So it made sense for us to use a different location. Um, Lucky for us, we could use the Lensbury and it's absolutely stunning down there. As you know, you've covered lots of rugby down there before in interviews and whatnot. Um, So, yeah, it's kind of like it's back with everybody. You're in a beautiful setting. We've got the lovely weather that's matching it at the moment. Um, But it just feels really good. And for the moment of time that you're there, you kind of forget all the craziness that's going on, um, which is a nice mental distraction. And, like, everyone's just buzzing. Everyone's come back in really good shape, really good form. Um, and, And to be honest, like, the first week of playing a bit of rugby, like, when we got into some conditioned games... You'd expect it not to be very sharp in terms of, I'm talking like skill wise and decision making and understanding. Everyone's really good. Like, so I feel like, um, you know, players are in a better place potentially to where they were when they left off. Well, well, well they're all on the Burford Academy over lockdown, weren't they? In lockdown squad. So, <laughs> of course, their skills are sharp. Um, but no, what, 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 what was it like, you know, after, I mean, look, we were going to have a few weeks here, aren't we, with where, yeah, the WRP are going to get some some really good guests on, and and this, the topics are going to be similar, aren't they? Because we haven't had much rugby, um, we haven't had any rugby, have we? The last however many months, um, and we're still uh, a few weeks away from from having some. So, yeah, well, we're very mindful not to ask the same kind of questions. But but you you personally, as a as as an athlete, and I'll choose my words carefully. Yeah, be here. careful. Yeah. Um, it wasn't about the athlete thing. I'm going on to an age thing. So um, um, more towards the end of your career than the beginning. Did I get away with that? Yeah, yeah you can get okay. away with that. Okay. Um, was it nice actually to to have a break, to, to have a pause? Because it's, I mean, it's a treadmill at, at times, isn't it? And it, it, it just keeps going. What with internationals and, and club fixtures and sevens and all the rest of it, it, it ne- never seems to stop. Yeah, like I think, you know, the scheduling has been really relentless over the years. And especially, you know, going back quite a number of years now when I was doing sevens and fifteens, you kind of, you finished playing fifteens, you went into sevens, no pre-season because you were playing sevens, then straight into fifteens again. And that was year on year on year on year. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, this has given everybody a moment to reflect, a time to let their body rest. Like teams have worked so hard across the board, you know, making sure, you know, if they've got players that have got a little bit of injuries or they might need a bit of psych work, they've been doing that work. So it's even though players have had downtime and time off, everyone's been working on probably weaknesses of theirs um, or areas that, you know, they wanted to improve on that, that you don't have the time to do when you're in a rugby season. Like you, it's very hard to kind of, you know, work on your speed or to get fitter or to, to look after a niggle or to, you know, all those kind of hone in on a skill because you're so full of rugby, rugby content, rugby training, contact, back into games it's so back to back that you don't actually have that time to really kind of write right I'm going to focus in on this I've got time to do this I think you know players have been smart they've used this in a time where they can rest their body look after it but also go right there's a couple of things that I never get the time or the opportunity to really focus on um and that, I, that's why I think you know seeing all the Queens girls back they've been doing that they've been working on certain elements of their game or off-pitch stuff that they don't normally do um, during this time. So I think, you know, I think we're going to have such a hungry and exciting group and teams, and this is probably across the world, 
eager to get back to playing that it, it's going to be like a whole new level of playing um, backed on with the rest backed on with working on their weaknesses I'm really excited to see how, how players play So what have you been working on? Resting <laughs> <laughs> So I'm no, really, I'm really like... top-notch at resting now on my new sofa <laughs> yeah. in front of the fire pit. No, um, to be honest, I what my key thing was I needed to work on my mobility. And so I joined like an online program. It's called Map Online. Um, and I do it daily. And it makes such a difference. And, yeah, you alluded to it. Like my age in this game, you know, I have to look after my body. Um, I can't do the same sort of level of reps and, and intensities that some players do continuously due to old injuries and, and niggles that might creep back. So I've got, and I know that when I'm, I've got my mobility right, then actually I'm less, um, you know, my, my body's not as sore. I can move a lot better, which then allows me to do the things I need to do. So that's something that I've worked consistently on. Um, over the last few months just in order to get ready get right for training and then be able to back it up date because we're in three days a week now i need to be able to back that up so there you go nice a supple birth coming back yeah i can touch my toes now wow i can't, <laughs> can't even see mine the only other thing i wanted to um ask you about obviously one of the reasonable bits of news uh in the last couple of months while we've had a bit of a break um and apologies for not doing the uh, the little mini pods, which we said we, we might do. Um, just had to have a little bit of break from the WRP, as much as I love it. There's been quite a bit going on behind the scenes and some exciting conversations and stuff. So we will update you as and when those come into sharper focus, shall we say. But uh, a new head coach, of course, um, our man Gary Street, moving uh, across the club, as it were to sort of a development role, something um, he will be fabulous at, but obviously a World Cup winning coach, replaced by Gerard Mullen um, from Loughborough Students and Litchfield. Um, first impressions on the signing and, and him as a, a, a man and, a, and as a whistleblower, in terms of being yeah. a coach rather than him telling stories to the press. <laughs> um, yeah, like, Personally, I can speak for my, like myself, but I think I do speak for the other girls as well. Like we've had a really good impression with Gerard. He's come in, he's got new energy, new voice. That always kind of lifts and boosts it aside anyway. Um, but what he's come in and he's he's got some really good, exciting ideas, but he doesn't want to change too much. He wants to work on, you know, we, we're, we've been a really successful side for a number of years and it's all about how we can do the things that we do well even better. So it's nice that he's come in and not completely changed everything. We're working on some of the things that we've done in the past, you know, the work that Karen um, Karen Finley, Jock, as everybody, most people know her anyway, um, and Streety have put in to kind of fine-tune those um, and work really hard on, on bringing our squad together as a whole. Um, you know, as I mentioned, we've got we're in a really great position where we've got a number of players that have the opportunity to train during the day, and then we have a number of girls who work all day and come train in the evening. So making sure he's he's really keen to kind of stamp his mark there and, and make sure our culture's strong, because we all know that if it's good off the pitch, it, it translates onto the pitch. So yeah, and I think from a, a rugby background, technically. You know, he comes from a really strong background. We've already seen that in playing, in training. But just kind of some of the other detail um, that he's working on with us. Yeah, it's, good. it's going to be really exciting. Um, and I think, you know, just having 
a full-time coach, consistency, day in, day out, he's there, um, will be really, really um, you know, useful for the success of our team going forward. And have you seen much of Jock, Count Finley? I mean, she's running yeah, London. In this yeah, time. when she's not running London um, in her really important job. Yeah, no, Karen's been there um, most days, to be honest. She'll, they're working really well together. And I think, you know, what it allows Jock now is to really kind of focus on her niche. Like, we have one of the best set pieces in the in the league. So it allows her to really focus and concentrate on that and not need to worry about too much of the other stuff. And um, so we get kind of her full package when she comes in, just focusing on that area, which I think is going to complement um, both Gerard and vice versa as well going forward. Nice. Well, that's a little bit of Quinn's news for you. Let's update you with all the other news from around the overworld. I'm Jill Burns, and you're listening to the wonderful Women's Rugby Pod. So plenty of news to get you up to date with has been happening in the last few weeks. Big, big positive, of course, is the rearranged Women's Six Nations fixtures. Here they are for your diary, 24th of October. Scotland against France, Ireland against Italy, 31st of October. Italy against England. England, of course, going for the Grand Slam. France against Ireland and Wales against Scotland that day. And then Italy, Scotland is on the 5th of December. And announced just last week, Quilter Autumn Internationals for the Red Roses. First of those is over in France on the 14th of November. The venue to be decided. And on the 21st of November, the return fixture, England against France as a double header at Twickenham. And staying on England, the only news really from Twickenham is a little bit of news that uh, we'll, we'll catch up on and uh, have a little discussion with Berth in a second. But obviously uh, the Sevens programme was disbanded for now due to lack of funding. And some news out of Scotland as well. Goose has had to step down due to COVID and his shielding. So um, assistant coach Brian Eason has stepped in. News coming out of Ireland. Uh, well, they certainly won't do a kit launch as they did last time, will they? Again, a little topic we'll talk about later on in the podcast. We're obviously using models to um, show the new kit, whereas the men's, obviously the, the rugby players um, and Canterbury involved in that as well. On to club news. News out of Richmond RFC. They've obviously employed a new coach, Mark Cadogan. Um, obviously, I know Mark pretty well from Quinns being our development head coach there, so we wish him well. Bristol have signed Natalie John, Courtney Knight, now Welsh Internationals, Joyce Butchers, Powell John and Knight are all there. And Tom Lindsay steps up as assistant coach. So at Harlequins, we've already mentioned a new head coach of Gerard Mullin comes in as our new head coach. Um, he's come from Loughborough Students and Litchfield RFC National 3 team. All men's sides, but he's now taking on the women's role. Um, we've obviously had a few departures. Kadira Kamara has gone back to France, sadly. And also Giardo Franco, our favourite Italian on the pod, um, has also returned home. News coming from the double champion Saracens. Holly Aitchison and Deborah Flaring have signed from the England 7 squad, as has Sydney Gregson. She returns to the club. The Cleal Twins... Lottie Clapp, the captain, have committed their future to the club as well. And Loughborough Lightning has signed Canadian back rower Courtney Holtkamp, as well as some of the Sevens girls, Helena Rowland and captain of the Sevens teams, Abby Brown. Down in the West Country, one of the new teams 
Exeter Chiefs women's under Susie Appleby, of course, have made some signings. Patricia Garcia, of course, friend of the pod, the Spanish international wonderful player. She joins up with Susie and Amy Garnett. Also, Netherlands international Lynn van der Velden, the back rower, has joined up as well. Plus, um, some girls who are more closer to home with strong links to the region. Charlie Budge, formerly of Bristol. Daisy French, formerly of Worcester. Merrin Dodge, Lottie Holland, England sevens player. Ebony Jeffries and Garnet McKinder, formerly of Saracens, as well as Jess Thomas from Exeter University. And Giselle Maver at Wasps has been busy re-signing Amy Wilson-Hardy back from the Severs, as well as new recruit from the Severs, Celia Kwanzaa, also international standard, Cara Cooney and Sadia Kabir and Sam Monaghan comes in from Lewis. Joe Yap's been busy signing international players, Robin Wilkins, Hannah Buck, the Welsh internationals, also a couple of Sevens players, Heather Fisher and Alex Matthews, Joe Brown, Red Roses, Back row player also joins the party at six ways, along with Philippa Rawbone, Charlotte Wright-Haley, Abby Castle, Penny Atruva. Um, Jamina Moss has earned her first team contract, having come through the Centre of Excellence, as has Abby Kershaw and Erin Cameron and Cardiff Met captain Lowry Williams. Extending their stay at the club, Sarah Maria and Izzy Carroll. Really nice blend of some experienced players coming in as well as feeding through her academy for Joe Yap. Not much news coming from DMP Durham. Um, at the moment, they're currently advertising for a part-time coach, so if anybody's out there looking, have a look into that one. So Sharks, the other new outfit, of course, in the Premier 15s, have been busy putting together their squad, of course, to some international players. And there, Jody Onsley, the England Sevens player, Lauren Delaney, the Irish fullback. They've also signed Aisha Abu Mazouk from Saracens, Bria Long, Alexandra Wallace, Gwilym Paris, the uh, Welsh international prop. Um, also joining them, Jessica Elbeck, uh, Claire Hutchinson and India Paris Redding who joins her twin sister, Georgie. And coming out of Gloucester Hartbury, you've got Welsh Internationals, Robin Locke and Kieran Blake have signed. Hannah Joan re-signs with the side. Welsh International, Clara Hope. Emma Muddy comes from Cheltenham Tigers, I believe, and up and coming side of the Championship. Tatum Gabriel, Jordan Williams, both Cardiff Met players. And a new forwards coach, James Forrester. Okay, go for yeah, a bit of a whistle stop tour around the uh, the clubs and what have you, and we'll drill down on, on some of those stories as the next few weeks and months unfold. As we talk to various clubs and international teams as well. Just to remind you, uh, we do have Sarah Hunter coming up later on in the podcast, so do stay tuned for that. Just wanted to pick up on a couple of um, news items that we mentioned there, uh, young Berth. Got to talk about the uh, Enough campaign. Flo Williams and the Perception Agency um, with the Irish shirt scandal. What was your your take on that? Yeah, I think it was it was a really disappointing thing to see. Really, the fact that it was brilliant that Flo Williams called out um, Canterbury for it and Irish rugby for it, um, to have your male players modelling the shirts and then even they don't know represent what wearing that jersey means to them was was really disappointed um, and you know really well done to Flo for calling that out making a bit of a campaign around it and, and you know for the fact of um, you know a lot of people will be 
like I am, I was disappointed with Canterbury, but they turned it round, you know, within kind of a two or three day where they made came out of a statement, you know, they, they said about how it was due to COVID that they couldn't have the players in to do the actual photo shoot um, and all those various things, but then turned around, you know, and, and put things right, which I think is brilliant. And that's all because somebody's, you know, turned around and said, well, this is ridiculous. What are you doing? Um, and called them out nationally on social media, and it caused a real big stir. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the Irish Rugby Union got away with Scott Free, and um, it has to go through them. Whatever can to be produced, it's got to go through them to sign off. Um, and I think, yeah, country were a little bit hard done by. Um, but it's, yeah, for me, it was it was common of, of most things within women's rugby. Um, it's all reactive. And it's not proactive. Um, you know, some, somebody should be thinking about that, whether at Canterbury or the Irish Rugby Union, and saying, well, no, we've got to have our players on it. Um, the, the reaction is, is all well and good, um, but it's a reaction rather than being proactive about the situation. Um, but anyway, yes, hats off to Flo. Yeah, perhaps we'll, uh, we'll get Flo on in a few weeks to, to see how the campaign has, has gone a couple of months down the line because we obviously don't want it to be just a flash-in-the-plan type thing. Some more... Something on savoury news, birth the world of sevens in a real, real tough time at the moment. Have you managed to speak to any of the girls? Yeah, um, yeah, really tough to see that the sevens programme funding isn't there for the team, you know. And it's just, it's kind of, it's like throwing salt in the wound even more because of where we are, because of what's coming up next year with the Olympics. Um, it is really devastating for the players and for the teams, you know, Simmons is not activated right now. To play Simmons for your country, it involves travelling around the world and we're just not in a place where that's able to do at the moment. So the RFU have taken the business decision that they they can't afford to to run the Simmons programme. You know, what's happening around the world, to be fair, is that all Simmons players are getting involved in 15s rugby where there's possible. So where rugby is being played... Um, you'll be sure to see the likes of Shani Williams playing in their 15s comp back home or the New Zealand girls are playing in their 15s comp. We've just spoken on the pod about all the sevens girls in England now joining up with Tyrrell's club. So they're going to have lots of competitive rugby to keep their edge. Um, But having spoke to lots of them, you know, they are still, still, you know, so... Uh, focused on making the Olympics and want to be a part of it. They've set up their own funding page and this is the boys as well. They're trying to find a way around it and they're trying to make things happen for themselves. They're not going to um, kind of rely on the RFU to, to you know, do what they need to be doing. So it'll be, it's a really tough time. I've been a part of the Sevens for a number of years and I know how special it is and I know, you know, how heartbreaking it would be if I was in that position, especially, you know, you've got players in there that were looking to finish. I mean, we had Heather Fisher on um, and she spoke about, you know, not sure what's going to happen. And then, you know, that was in a position where there was still going to be a contract and it'll be interesting to hear back from her again. But, yeah, it's such a difficult decision um, and place for the players. You know, that it's been based on a business and a pure monetary survival mode um, situation. And... A lot of people probably would have expected it only to be the women, but they've done it to both programs, the men and the women. And, you know, this doesn't just affect the players. It affects the coaches. Um, you know, they're all involved in it as well. It's their full-time job. You've got a lot of players in the men's side. They've got kids. 
So it's a really, it's a difficult time, but I think being the people that they are, the human beings that they, they want to strive to be, that, you know, they're taking it into their own hands now and they're trying to do uh, all that they can in order to keep within touch and or somehow keep the momentum going of the sevens with their group, the, you know, the team bond that they've got, the off-pitch stuff, in order so that if it, and when it does maybe come back, to being contracted that they're not playing catch up. So you see a lot of them signing for clubs so that they can stay that competitive edge and they can be in a, in a great training environment because that's what the Premier 15s has created is an incredible professional training setup to allow them to go into. Um, but for all of them, it, they, you know, they've got to find jobs and they've got to work now. And, and that's, that's tough. It's really tough. Just carrying on talking uh, about the sevens and obviously in light of that, the, the, the lack of funding, uh, announced, I think it was last week, wasn't it? The the men, the uh, the fifteens men taking out a five thousand pound pay cut for their match bonus, as it were. I think it's around seventeen thousand now, something like that, per match. Uh, and obviously, how unfair that is, and a, sort of a a few of those matches fees could could go to to putting the women's sevens program on for another year. Your views on that? Not not quite as simple as that argument, though, is it? No, and it, it's really hard because I think you. I could look at this like through a player's eyes and think that's ridiculous, that's unfair. You know, that's that's my salary for a year that you get in one game. Very easy to look at that. And then if you looked at it from a business point of view, who brings all the money? Who brings in the revenue? Who's the commercial value? It's all sitting with in the men's at the moment. Now, is that the right place to be in at the moment? No, but. So there's two different sides that you can look at it. And like I said, the RFU have taken this decision based on business. So if you're a businessman, you look at this, right or wrong, right, I've actually done the right decision from a business perspective. You think of this as a player or as a coach or as somebody from an outside, you, you, that's to you is the wrong decision. And that's that's purely where it's been based on it, is the fact of the, the money that the Simmons generates to come into the RFU. Now, I don't know exact, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't, it costs them money, like the women's program costs money. So, um, and they've had to find a way to to t- try and minimise damage, to try and look after uh, and rebuild. The, I think something's like hundred million pounds in losses or something. The RFP is going to go for. And I'm not in no way saying that the right thing was to do was to cut the sevens. I'm sure they. Well, you would have thought they would have, you know, exhausted every avenue to not have to do that. Um, but I think it, I think there's lots of layers to it. There's lots of different things that come into play. I don't think it's as easy as going, well, if you don't pay the boys the bonuses, then that can fund that programme. Actually, that's not enough money to fund that programme, both men and women. So um, I don't think it's clear-cut as that. Um, but like, I'm, I'm devastated for the players um, and for the programme. Do I think it'll be the end of sevens? Definitely not. I think actually it kind of creates a new platform and a new opportunity to to rebuild it. Yeah, I, I agree. Yes, n- not as simple as that. And as much as, geez, you know, people's livelihoods, and as you say, parents and whatever now with, with without work. We are seeing, of course, quite a few, in fact, majority of the women's squad have picked up some rugby in the 15s programmes with various clubs and they will add to that and obviously help with their journey towards uh, towards the Olympics next year. Uh, a few of the men as well down Norton scored at the weekend, didn't he, uh, for London Irish. But yeah, utterly devastating for both. And yeah, do check out their funding page uh, to give any support that you can. But these are exceptional times. And if you are losing money, um, you have to cut your cloth. And 
you know the RFU can't take a, a personal view and it isn't personal view it's a it's a business decision as you yeah. say um it's heartbreaking I think also just for the for the women's side of things it it could put a lot of those players in a really really good position because up until now they were never they would never have been considered for the world cup next year the women's 15s world cup none of them would have been in contention because from the offset, it was very much, you know, you need to choose whether you want to do sevens or fifteens, whether you want to focus on the the World Cup. Because now they're in the same year as well, it may have been different if um, the Olympics had gone ahead this year. But you know, the likes of players like Meg Jones, Ellie Kildan, um, you know, Alex Matthews, Matthews yeah. people who have played fifteens, been a part of that squad, been a, been a starter in the squads, like. That now opens up that door for them as well. So as heartbreaking as it is, there's other opportunities on the back of it as well that they can capitalise on. Yeah, absolutely. No, we're we're, we're fully in support of them, and let's uh, let's hear from one of the sevens player. Let's get let's get uh, Abby Abby Brown on or, or Fish uh, in the next few weeks and get their their take on it and and how they reacted. And um, yes, but uh, all the best wishes for them. Yeah, do check out the funding page through their social media channels. The only other bit of news that we must let you know about is um, really positive to see some rugby back down in New Zealand. Um, yeah, got a proper crush on their prime minister. She's an outstanding woman, isn't she? Uh, like most people, I think, around the world at the moment. Wish we were led by her. Why have we gone all political? It's a rugby show. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, the Farah Palmer Cup has kicked off a couple of rounds up in the north. Auckland Storm and Waikato leading the way there. Down south, Wellington Pride, Canterbury and Otago Spirit are leading the way down there, having won all of their games. I'll say all of their games, their first round games. And did you see that try from Sylvia I mean, Brunt? who hasn't seen it? Yeah, we need to remember her name. That was unbelievable. And, and this is kind of what I'm really excited about, Johnny, is the fact that you've got all the sevens girls, you've got young talent all playing in this, and it's exciting. You're seeing all the clips and the videos of some fantastic play rugby. But I feel like we're going to get this with the um, Premier 15s as well. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, amazing try from uh, from Sylvia Brunt from uh, Auckland Storm. She's just 16 years of age. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, sure. I can't remember being 16 years of age. Um, and also another positive with my broadcaster's hat on. They televised three games of uh, the round last weekend and there's going to be four this weekend. That's how it should be done. That's proper commitment from a broadcaster. So hats off just generally all across the board to New Zealand. I'm Emily Scarrett and you are listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. As promised on the WRP, starting the second series with a bang. I mean, literally, we aimed in the top draw here on our first episode back of Series 2. Absolutely delighted to be joined um, by Captain My Captain, Sarah Hunter, MBE. Hi guys, it's great to be back. Great that you've got a second series. Yeah, they gave us another series. I do feel a bit like Alan Partridge when I say that. You two, <laughs> you two are probably a bit too young to know that Alan Partridge sketch, are you? I have no I've idea been, what you're talking about. Unfortunately, I know exactly who you're talking about. Smell my cheese. <laughs> but I would say it's probably more the fact that my older brother was a big fan rather than knowing Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. But you, so to, we, we were doing this over Zoom, the, the viewers won't know, but um, you're looking incredibly healthy. 
really, so really healthy. British sunshine that we've been able to have and now we're back out playing rugby, we can spend a lot of time outdoors not being stuck in lockdown anymore, you know, making the most of it. Well, we we, 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 we spoke during uh, during the sort of lockdown period and what have you, and I think it's probably safe to say that you know the walls of your uh, your abode very, very well. Is that, is, that, is that fair to say? Yeah, certainly. Probably like a lot of people, you know, that it seems like months ago now, doesn't it, that... Obviously, we're in a, a lot more stricter lockdown where we could only get out once a once a day, and not having a garden proved a little bit tricky. But you know, now we we can get out. We're we're playing rugby again. We're we're almost getting back to a little bit more normality. Um, yeah, it's it's nice to to not see the same four walls day in day out. And have you have you have you been back home? Yeah, I've been up to Newcastle. Um, obviously, when the restrictions got eased. Um, I, I made a, a trip to the to the northeast up to to see the family, which was was really nice. It was probably the longest I'd gone without without seeing them. So, you know, got to to go up and see friends, family, catch up, see the places that I love, go to the beach, get in the get in the sea, um, make the most of it. So it was brilliant. Oh, good. Well, it's warm up north. It's always warm up north. <laughs> always. What, beach swimming? Yeah, I'm with you, perfectly. No, I'm like, did you really go to Newcastle? Yeah. <laughs> See, the, I, I don't think the sea changes temperature. I think it's always freezing. Just in the summer, it's a bit more warmer outside, so it, it feels like it's uh, a little bit more acceptable. Oh, the only reason I ask is because the, the accent seems to be quite strong today. That was all. So, um, just thought you may have spent a bit of time with people at home. That was all. Yeah, I do. I feel like my accent's got stronger during lockdown. Probably I've had less people to talk to and probably spent more time talking to my friends from Newcastle, my family, everything. So I, I feel like it's it's dripped in a little bit more during lockdown. Now, so we're going to obviously talk to a lot of people as we sort of cruise into uh, into series two, and we don't want to sort of continue to ask the, the same kind of questions. Obviously, it's been a been a strange old time, and, and people have been pretty much doing the the same kind of things. I mean, we're not all built sofas and what have you like birth, um, but um, <laughs> yeah, just wanted to know and try and answer as specifically as you can. You're a professional athlete. Um, what did you do to keep your mind and body fresh during during that period, and obviously you, you've already spoken about the the restraints you had with sort of no, no outdoor space. How, how how did you manage to do that? Which is the biggest challenge? I think um, for, for me, probably being an older um, player, I think I actually enjoyed just switching off from rugby. So I know there was a lot of people out there doing a lot of like learning, educating, almost. Um, bettering themselves with going on different Zoom CPDs and maybe doing analysis. But I actually really enjoyed a time from from switching off from the stuff that I didn't need to do. Obviously, like with England and with Loughborough, we still had to do a little bit of keeping sort of your sort of hand in with doing bits of analysis and stuff like that and reviewing from last season and did all of that. But everything else, I kind of enjoyed just having some time to mentally refresh away from from rugby because like as you know our, our seasons have just been constant you almost roll from one into the other and you I think that the mental side of things we don't often have time to just take a step back and sort of 
people talk about um, physically being refreshed, but I've almost used this opportunity to be mentally refreshed as well, ready to, to go for what will probably be a, a tough old 18 months ahead of us to the, to the World Cup. Yeah, I, think, I think it's a really yeah. good, valid point because I think what people forget is forget the physical side of things and coming from your position as well, Centaur, like captaincy is such a big job. It is not just on the pitch for 80 minutes. It's like it's nonstop from when you wake up to when you go to sleep. And then on top of that, as well as being like a player coach at Loughborough, you don't just get off the pitch and then oh, I'll wait for my review or I'll have a look at it or see what the coach did. You're constantly in that cycle and like the lots of people talk about their body being able to rest and refresh but I wonder how many people also have done that kind of mental side of thing on do you know what I just switch off from it all because it's a lot of pressure and it's like you say it's constant so to be able to to recognize that early for you and go do you know what I'm not going to do some CBDs I'm not going to do this I'm just going to have some time for me yeah, no, absolutely. And I think at the start, I almost you almost feel a bit pressure in. Everyone was sort of like, oh, well, what books are you reading? Whose podcast are you listening to? And I was just a bit like, oh, do I need to be doing this? And then, do you know what? I was just like, oh, I'm enjoying watching a Netflix series or um, <laughs> like doing a bit of baking unsuccessfully without self-raising flour. Like, I actually enjoyed like taking time to, to cook meals and things that you, you don't normally get to, to do, like, um so so that part of it and you I almost felt a bit guilty at the start but actually I genuinely feel so refreshed ready to to almost come back um and there's people asking or like what what like lineups have you looked at or who's doing what and I was almost like when the super rugby came back I was almost just wanting to watch as a fan because I enjoy watching rugby I haven't watched Mm -hmm. it for long enough rather than like you say analyzing every last second of it so I think that's probably the biggest learning I've probably taken, and and to say that it's all right, like like you say, you you need that time to sort of take a step back and like mentally recharge your 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 mental well being as well as your physical well being. But yeah, I mean, my second question was, has the break been been valuable for you um, to be able to pause? Um, and, and clearly it has. I think you know, we're all finding, aren't we, that it's it's an individual thing. This this bizarre situation. Um, that, that you've just got to control it in, in the way that you need to control it you, you, yourself. Um, with your with your Loughborough Lightning hat on, we're, we're whizzing around here, so it's just short and sharp today. Um, with your Lightning Loughborough hat on, um, or beanie, or bucket hat, or whatever you, you have on there, <laughs> you've not been wearing a hat because you look so tanned. But, um, yeah, no hats. How, how difficult was that? Um, dealing with the other coaches, with the players. Obviously, it's off season. You might do signings, not signings. How difficult was that with the with, with the with the situation the world has been in? Yeah, I think it, it's been challenging, but we've actually got a, a really great team. So we we try to keep a check in um, as a staff team, sort of once a week um, to to sort of make sure the players are all right. Um, and also not bombarding them with stuff and almost when's the time to sort of give them a mental break, when's the time that we can bring them back in and and when are we going to plan for, for next season and obviously that's changed and when and how that now has to be adapted with obviously all the, the COVID restrictions in, in place. But I think um, it's been really positive and I think, I've had a better understanding from a player having to to learn and understand all the stuff that goes behind putting into a training session now. But I think just those those weekly drop-ins, and it, it might have only been 10, 15 minutes 
um, in the week when there was not a lot to talk about. But I think that has probably kept us on track and, and made the transition back to rugby um, a lot easier, certainly from a, from a coaching point of view. And the players have been brilliant to adapt to everything that we've, we've had to, to change and, and manage when we've got back to actual rugby. And any new players that uh, we should be aware of? We should be keeping our eye out for. Um, obviously, the first <laughs> looking. Which, I'm, I'm trying to remember like, which players have we announced yet. Um, ah, so yeah, it's always so tricky. Obviously, we, we've got um, Courtney Holt coming across from from Canada. I think she's obviously played for for, for Canada. Um, we played against her in the, the summer series last year. Um, Canadian boys so hard. Yeah, she's um, so physical. She's no different. Um, so it'll be exciting. She's a new exciting signing for, for us coming across. Um, obviously, she's got to go through the whole quarantine process. Um, but she'll obviously, we obviously lost um, Sarah Bonner for, from the second row during the summer to, to Gloucester Harbour. So it's nice to have a, a replacement um, of her calibre coming in. And then obviously, uh, last and then last week, we've got Abby Brown and Helena Rowland joining us from, from Sevens. And uh, they've hit the ground running in terms of training so far, so I'm really excited to to see what they can do coming across to the 15s game. Yeah, I mean, you needed a few to bolster that back line, didn't you? Really, um, <laughs> fairly fairly poor midfield. Um, oh, yeah. good stuff. Um, my, my my last question to you, Sunter, um, and yeah, thank you very much as ever for your for your time on the WRP. Just with your now, just switching to your Red Roses hat. How exciting to get those fixtures locked in we hope for now anyway they're in pen now they're in the diary now uh, not only that that game against Italy in the grandstand but also those autumn internationals now on a new broadcaster uh, in uh, in Amazon we hope yeah no really excited you know there was such a disappointment at the end of the the sort of six nations when the season came to abrupt that we might not get to finish the the campaign and you know we'd worked so hard um throughout the first games especially going to France and winning away that it was a little bit disappointing to finish and to know that hopefully fingers crossed we've got the opportunity to to go to to Italy and 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 finish that six nations and the way we set out to be is 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 really exciting for us to to do so and then you know, France is always a, a formidable test match and to have a home and away series against them is uh, it's really good for our preparation because obviously we were due to go to New Zealand and play New Zealand and Australia and understandably that, that can't happen. So to replace that with, with two tests against France is it's going to be really challenging because obviously they're like probably weeks ahead of us. They've, they've been together for quite a while. They've played um, some domestic games. So it, it will be a real challenge for us. But I think... That's exactly what we need going into into the World Cup year. So, you know, we're we're looking forward to just getting getting back out there, and hopefully things will go um, smoothly so that we do get that opportunity to to pull on a, a white shirt in the the autumn. Is is there any is there any part? I'll, I'll ask both of you. I mean, this is I mean, it's a global pandemic. This is I mean, it's not you know, it's not Tiddlywinks here. It, it, is there any intrepidation potentially to to going overseas to 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 play an international team too. We say Italy there, one of the yeah, one of the worst affected countries at the height of it all. Is there any trepidation between you and, and and any other players, or is there just complete trust in in your systems, your processes, of the clubs of and, and internationally that that, that, we'll, that they'll put in? I 
think that there's that trust. I think we've seen it within our clubs, like players have come in and they've always had the opportunity to, to opt out without any sort of judgment on yeah. that call. And it, it's it, that's brilliant to, to say, but I think all the precautions, and I'm sure it's the same at Quinn's, like that we try to put in around the safety measures for the players is that no one seems to have sort of been too concerned at all by it. And I think obviously, hopefully you have that trust that all the, the unions across the world are, are doing that. So Italy and I know Berth was in Italy recently and I'm sure um, that that sort of travel and everything regarding that w- will be at the, the, the highest level that we need to be able to feel safe to, to do that. But I do feel like we've almost got to get back to some normality for, for us to to get back to a, a, a worldwide global game. Yeah, I, I just echo the same. I think the approach that the clubs have had, and they've had that directive from um, the RFU, and I'm sure World Rugby have been working with a host of unions, but just all the measures that are put in place um, are really, you know, you're ticking off every single box. And there's no way that you'll be doing that at club level, not at an international level. And, and I think Zinta's right. We, we've got to get back to some form of normality within the best restrictions that you can. Um We've got to keep trying to move the world forward. And I think, you know, the fact that the fixtures are announced, all these measures are in place. And the thing also is that we've taken a lot of our measures and learnings from the men's as well. So any mistakes or errors or worries that they might have come up against already, we've kind of learned from that. So then we don't come across it as well. So I think I think it's in a really, really good position. You know, players are they've massively bought into this, whether you're a full-time player or a part-time player, they're being really careful. They're not, you know, exposing themselves unnecessarily because the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, if one person comes down with it, we're not in a position where everybody can be tested. If one person comes down with it, then that could technically mean your whole team can't train for two weeks. And and if that's in the middle of the season or our new season, then, you know, that has massive implications and everybody's on board with it. As Sin said, you have the opportunity to opt in. But when you opt in, you have a big responsibility. And I think you, players understand what's at stake here. Um, and I can only see, you know, what has been done in the UK with all the um, protocols put in place that, you know, I think players feel extremely safe. <laughs> I mean, you're asking players, for God's sake, they, all they want to do is play. So they're going to they're gonna do their every every little thing that they can in order to get back out on the pitch. Yeah, I said it, Johnny, back off. There's no issues, we're playing. <laughs> I, di- I didn't say that. I didn't, yeah, wow. Oh my God, here we go. Uh, different show, same, anyway, yeah. Um <laughs> No, I, I, no, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. No, I was, I was just interested to, to, to get the, the, the psyche from, from, from you guys because yeah, yeah, it's all very well, and I've been super impressed. They're not going to get everything right, the RFU, but in terms of the, the roadmap to return to, to the amateur game and you know the, the, the kids rugby on a, on a Sunday, I'm incredibly impressed. The maturity in that sense of our sport is, is really, really shone through, um, and all the participants in it. But I, just, I wanted to get the, the psyche from from you guys because obviously travelling and you're going to tra- travel to different parts of the country and, and, and other countries I was just interested that's all birth so you back off I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll ask the good questions here yeah <laughs> make a change for series two wouldn't it anyway um, Sunta what was your epic fail in the bakery department we'll finish with that 
Oh, I didn't have any self-raising flour. It was when it was um, like you couldn't get hold of it. So I Googled whether you could make self-raising flour. So uh, I managed to get some plain oh, flour. I don't think it was bicarb or, or some sort of baking powder or something that you could mix together to potentially make self-raising flour. Anyway, it didn't really work. And I made what? banana bread and it was literally flat as flat. a pancake. I mean, it tasted good. It just didn't look very good. So <laughs> that was my epic fail. Baby. Impressive. Oh. What about um, your Netflix show? Have you got a recommendation? Oh, right. So, I mean, I've, I've obviously gone through the whole, like, list of King and um, Yeah. But the thing I hadn't watched that I really enjoyed, like, watching from series one to series five was Luther. Like, I hadn't watched any of them. And I found that, I really enjoyed watching that. Nice. So that good. was my re- recommendation. If people, I mean, I'm a bit behind the times always, so. <laughs> I'm going to say that's only five years ago, but um, no, no, it's good. Yeah. yeah. And below deck at the minute, if you want something easy to watch, and it's a bit like reality TV, again, it's been going on for years, but below deck has literally got me gripped at the minute. How many hours of your day can that chew up? literally hours and hours Johnny extraordinary that show absolutely hilarious absolutely hilarious yeah Um, on that note um, Sunta thank you so much for your time as ever absolutely superstar thank you so much for joining us and and starting our series 2 with a bang no doubt we will speak later on um, whether on the ground or one of these internationals or or with a club hat on but uh, really really good to see you looking so well and thank you so much for joining us thanks for having me on and good luck with the rest of the series Thank you very much. I'm Stacey Flula and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. She seems in really, really good form. Certainly looked very, very well, didn't she, uh, Sunter? Tough, though, without a garden, I have to say. Yeah, I felt very privileged during that lockdown period. But uh, no, she seems in really, really good form. And she's right, isn't she, about uh, about the Red Roses and that um, doubleheader against France. Really good preparation having lost those summer tests against uh, against the Black Ferns yeah I think you know any opposition you want to play is going to be um, New Zealand going into a World Cup year but the next best thing is is France and the physicality and the you know it's always a tight game against um, England and France so great preparation for her then I think also you know looking at um, you know you talk about how well she's looking like that mental aspect side of things is so important. It's so intense. It's such an intense environment being a full-time professional player and to have captaincy on top of you. Uh, it looks like it's done her the world of good. Yeah, no, I just... And, and she does it. We're all just all with a smile on the face. My youngest had his birthday during the beginning of lockdown. Had to have his party cancelled or whatever. And Sunta happens to be one of his favourite players. She sent him a card and a signed rucksack and all the rest. And she doesn't have to do that kind of stuff. Uh, just uh, yeah, she's just she's just so incredibly uh, impressive. Um, but no, really good to speak to her. And the big guests will keep coming. We're not going to tell you about next week's guests just yet because we're touring and throwing between a couple of people. Um, but yeah, we're hoping to do sort of whistle stop tours around the globe. Really, let's uh, let's chat to someone down in New Zealand. See how the uh, the cup's going down there. We're still trying for Bill Beaumont. We're coming up to sort of eight months now, having knocked at the door to get him on. So, yeah, we will we will keep doing that one, the campaign, get Bill on. Um, but that's it, Berth. Can you believe it? That's it. Series two, episode one, done. 
Well, we've got a few shout outs to do as well. Oh, yeah, go on then. Let's do a couple of shout outs then. You go first. Well, I'm going to bring a shout out to Marley Packer, who has now become a mama to um, a beautiful little boy. Yeah, party packer to uh, Mama Marley. Huge congratulations to, to those three. Steph Trahari Fox as well. The former Blackford and Wasps had her little baby as well. Anita, huge congratulations to her. We did have a good follow as well, I have to say. The Nepal Rugby Association are on board with the WRP. Big shout out to all those women playing rugby in Nepal. Yeah, and a few things... On the pitch, but not necessarily playing, we have made some um, big headlines. Sarah Cox uh, ran the touch for the first time in the men's elegant premiership, which is awesome for her to get that kind of recognition and that opportunity. But also on the other side of the world, in Australia, Amy Perrett's become the first woman to referee a Super Rugby game, and that's get Brumbies versus Western Force. Yeah, that was uh, really, really good. I mean, look, it shouldn't be news, but but it is. We, we are where we are. Um, yeah, fair play, Amy, and... And Sarah as well. Yeah, she's running a running touch uh, last weekend as well. I, I, I did a game down at Worcester. So, yeah, it was good good to see her. Yeovil Mixed Ability Women's Rugby Team. They wanted a shout-out. So, there it is. Some of the most inspirational rugby players, apparently, uh, down at Yeovil. So, go get involved with them. Your old mate from USA. Yeah, my old pal, Kirsten Stonmark. USA and Harlequins back rower has been elected to the International Athletes council within usa rugby yeah she's there women's at large representative yeah fair play to you um to pony we won't go into why she's called that and i just yeah massive massive shout out to all those who came out and pitched up and played uh, in the grassroots game there was loads and loads going on at social media if you um and your club went out and got yourselves back out on the pitch and, and had a few beers, had a few touch toilets, whatever, unlike my club, um, then fair play to you. What a, what a great opportunity to do that, to, to get our, our great game sort of back up and, and running, giving it a jump start. So fair play to everyone there. As ever, if you want to shout out, please, please get in touch. Tag us in on anything on social media. What are the handles they need to look out for, Berth? You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod Women's Rugby. Um, send us in your requests and we'll get them on the show. Um, but go along to iTunes, all your podcast outlets you can find us on. Rate, subscribe, leave us a little comment. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. From our point of view, please, please just uh, hit the old five stars um, and, and hit hit subscribe. Does does make quite a big difference this end. So if you wouldn't mind doing that for us, that would be great. Berth, it's really, really great to be back. Great to talk to Sunta. Really nice to uh, to be back in the saddle alongside the pod wife. Really good to see you. There we are. The new season is up and running. Here we go. Hold on tight. It's a big one.